I want to talk to you today about missions. It's May's Missions Month. I told a friend of mine at District Council, who was a missionary to Northern Africa, I said, I'm preaching about missions this Sunday. And he looked at me and he said, you're what? He said, you can't preach about missions. It's Mother's Day. And I said, yeah, I can. Because Mother's Day is the perfect day to talk about missions. I honestly believe it is. Um, Because when we think about mothers, we celebrate today, we give them roses, we think about mothers, what do we really think about? We think about caring for people. We think about caring primarily for children. We think about mothers sacrificing for others. And that really is the kind of the heart of what we think of and we celebrate when we celebrate Mother's Day. Well, you know what? That's an exact parallel to missions. Missions is about caring for others. Missions is about caring for children. Missions is about caring for all of God's children. Not just our own, but the family of God. Some of whom don't know they're part of the family yet. Most of them who don't know that God wants to welcome them into the family. Missions is about caring um, that so many people are lost without God in the need of a Savior. That's what missions is about. You know, it's caring so much that one is compelled to do something about it. It's caring so much that it leads a person to personal sacrifice for other people. That all kind of reminds me of moms. You know, moms understand missions kind of love because they practice it every single day in their homes. So I think Mother's Day is the perfect day to talk about missions, talk about taking the love of Christ to all of God's children around the world, because as I think about moms, I understand that moms understand love that compels one to action. That's why diapers get changed. That's why meals get cooked. Let's face it, Dad, a lot of times we're sitting on the couch watching the news. And we should be in there, and I have to remind myself, wait a minute, it's not fair. Suzanne's in the kitchen. Moms understand that kind of love, that kind of self-sacrifice. You know what? That's what missions is. Missions is love that compels to action. And so I think it's a perfect day to think about missions. The good news is only good news if it gets there on time. That's really what missions is all about. Taking the good news to people who've never heard it. On time, meaning before it's too late, before they're dead, before, the, before they stand before the Lord and there's no chance to reach Him again. I want to start our sermon today by showing you something in scriptures that I think maybe you've not noticed before. So remember the first time I really saw this, it struck me and I thought, I didn't really notice this repetition in scripture. I invite you to follow along and we're going to look at five different texts in the scripture from five different books. The the four gospels and the book of Acts. And I want to just read them to you. You're welcome to follow along. I'm going to go through kind of quickly. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. And read just a couple of verses out of each one. And I want you to pay attention as I read them and listen to what you find in them, what you notice. You're going to notice some consistency. You're going to notice something in there that maybe you didn't realize was repeated over and over. We'll do the first one. You'll say, oh yeah, I know that. But you're going to see every gospel says the same thing. And the book of Acts starts with the same thing. Matthew chapter 28, starting in verse 18. It says, And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I command you, and lo, 
I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Book of Mark. They're all going to be at the end of the books. Mark chapter 16. Starting in verse 15. And he, and he is Jesus here. And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved, but he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. These signs will accompany those who have believed. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will pick up serpents, and if they drink any deadly poison it shall not hurt them. They will lay hands on their sick, and they will recover. Going to the next gospel, the gospel of Luke, to the very end of the book again. Luke chapter 24. Almost the end. Luke 24, starting in verse 47. Jesus speaking again. It says, And that repentance for forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in His name to all the nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you, which is the Holy Spirit, But you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. The end of the Gospel of John. John chapter 20. Starting in verse 21. So Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Acts. The history book of the, of the church. History book of the New Testament. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. It says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest parts of the earth. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest parts of the earth. As I read those verses from the four Gospels and the book of Acts. There are some repeated themes. There are basically two things that were repeated. I hope you've noticed them as I read them for you today. And you maybe thought, I didn't really recognize before, that every Gospel and the book of Acts all say the same thing. Little different words, but basically the same thing. There's basically two repeated themes in every one of those verses. The first one is this. Preach, teach the Gospel to all the world. Preach and teach the gospel to all of the world. Not some of the world, all of the world. And the second theme was this. The Holy Spirit will empower us for that task. Preach the gospel to all the world, and the Holy Spirit will empower us to do the task that He's asked us to do. Now I pointed out to you before a biblical key in reading Scripture, and it's this. That repetition is for emphasis. When you see in the scriptures that something is repeated over and over and over again, it's time to really slow down and take notice. 
Well, you can go to the closing of the last four Gospels, and you can go to the book of Acts, and you can see the same message repeated over and over. We can understand that God is trying to get our attention. Every Gospel writer was inspired by the Holy Spirit to record in Jesus' final words a commission. A commission that He gave to the church, and we're part of the church. A commission that he gave to you and he gave to me, and it was this commission. Take the gospel around the world in the power of the Holy Spirit. Friends, as we saw in the video, that's missions. That's what we are focusing on this month. Taking the gospel around the world in the power of the Holy Spirit. Teen Challenge that was here last week is missions. It's taking the power of the gospel to lives that are, that are bound by addiction and in the power of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to be free and setting them free by the supernatural activity of the Spirit of God. Next week, we'll have a missionary from, from Cambodia, a friend of ours, Troy Tabor, who's going to tell us what God is doing in Cambodia, a place where the gospel is expanding rapidly, where, where Buddhists are becoming Christians, and the church is being established, a church that we had a privilege of being part of for a season in our lives. That is missions. The week after, on the 22nd, I am going to tell you how making fish hooks is missions. And you say, no surprise. That has something to do with fishing. Making fish hooks is about missions. It's about missions right here in our backyard. What do we see in our texts as we look at missions? We saw two themes, preach and teach the gospel to all the world and the Holy Spirit will empower us for the task. Well, that first theme, preach the gospel everywhere. Friends, do you understand that it is God's plan for Christianity to be global? It's not an American thing. It's not a Western thing. One of the things that bothered us so much in missions when we lived in Cambodia was that the Asians told us that Christianity was for Americans or for Westerners. That's not the case. They said, that's the God of the West, Jesus. And the God of the East was Buddha for them. That's not God's plan. God's plan is for Christianity to be global. Being global in our, in our outreach is not some denominational objective. It's not some group of people who schemed together and said, we really like what we got. Now let's take it around the world because we want to be the biggest. We want to dominate. We want to be the, the only one. No, it's God's plan to be global. God never intended for us to sit down and shut up. How many times have you been told that in school? I was all the time. Mark, shut up. I have a problem with that sometimes. But you know what? God never intended for His church to sit down and shut up. He has commissioned us. Matter of fact, Matthew 28 chapter, the heading in your Bible said, The Great Commission in the section that we just read. He has commissioned us to take His message everywhere. Everywhere in the globe. Look at the progression Jesus said would take place in spreading the gospel in Acts chapter 8. He said, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be My witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. Now He's talking as Jerusalem being his headquarters. That was, that was their, their epicenter. That's where they were. And he said it's going to spread from Jerusalem to Judea, to Samaria, to the remotest parts of the earth. And there's, there's some, some significance 
to naming those exact places. That the gospel, he's saying, should spread from our Jerusalem. It should be local first. It should start where we're at. That's our Jerusalem. And then it should become national. That's Judea. It's the area outside of your, your geographical area. It's the area that encompasses you from Jerusalem to Judea. But then he said it also should be cross-cultural. Samaria. Samaria were the people, Samaritans were the people who lived right next door. Lived right in their same community, but their culture was completely different. There were Jews and there were Samaritans and there was no mixing of the two. Their worldview, their culture was completely different. They were at odds with one another. He says the gospel needs to go cross-culturally. And then he says the gospel needs to go internationally. He says even to the remotest parts of the earth, the gospel needs to go. Friends, this progression has implications for us. Jesus has given us his church. Who's part of the church? I am. He's given us, his church, responsibility to see to it that we do our part by the anointing of the Holy Spirit, by the leading and empowerment of God himself to take the gospel to all of these various areas, this progression. Notice what he says in Acts chapter Chapter 1, verse 8, it messes with you. You're not going to like it. It says, but you shall be my witnesses. It doesn't say somebody else shall be his witness. This gospel is written for us. As we read it, it's personal. And as I read it, it says, but to Mark, you shall be my witness. Put your name in the blank. But you shall be my witnesses where? In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The progression You shall be my witnesses locally, he's saying. You know, southeast Wisconsin is our mission field. It's our mission field. It's not up to someone else to reach those people who don't know Jesus in our own backyard. It's up to us. There's something that you need to understand, something that I've come to terms with in my life. God has us here on purpose. I tried to leave this area so many times, and God keeps bringing me back. Leave and go to Louisiana, come back. Leave and go to Missouri, come back. Leave and go to Michigan, come back. I got you, God. I'm going to Cambodia. Come back. God has us here, us, the collective us. Us, Portview Church, you. He has us here on purpose. And the purpose isn't to earn a living. You need to do that. The purpose isn't to raise your children. You need to do that. The ultimate purpose of why God has you here and the way you earn your living and the children you raise are all part of the plan. It's that He's brought us here together to reach as many of our family and friends and co-workers and neighbors as we can with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's our, it's, it's, it's our Jerusalem. It's our local place. I'm going to talk about that in greater detail in two weeks when I tell you about how making fish hooks is missions. The progression starts locally. But it says also, you shall be my witnesses, not only locally, but you shall be my witnesses nationally. Do you realize that the U.S. is now considered statistically the third largest mission field on the planet? Do you realize that that people in Africa say now that America is a dark continent? We always referred to Africa as a dark continent because they were so lost and they were so bound by, by spiritism and, 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 and serving all kinds of little G-gods. 
But you understand now African Christians look at America and say, we are the dark continent because America is walking away from God. Do you realize that in America, we are one of the only places on the planet where Christianity is not growing? You go about anywhere in the world and the church of Jesus Christ is exploding. And in America, we're closing church doors. The 10 years Suzanne and I and and Josh and Brett were born in the UP, the 10 years we were there in Marquette, Michigan, one of the most unchurched counties in America, in the 10 years that God, by His grace, built an incredible great church um, through us and a bunch of other people at that same time, 13 churches closed their doors in the 10 years we were there. More than one a year closed its doors in the community that we were in. America is a mission field. Friends, this is our nation. We used to really believe, it really used to mean something, one nation under God. Now it's one nation under God's small g. This is our nation. And we need to be open to however God would want to use us to take His message beyond our immediate community. And I say that as a challenge, looking forward to the future and say, God has great plans for this church. And he's going to challenge us to do some things that are bigger than us to take the gospel to our nation. We need to be open to that. We've got to be a group of people who doesn't say, we can't. We have to be a group of people who say, we will, God, as you empower us. You shall be my witnesses, locally, nationally, cross-culturally. We shall be his witnesses cross-culturally. You know what we learn living here? that you do not have to cross salt water to engage completely in different cultures because they're right in your own backyard. 20 miles from us is a different world. 20 miles south, well, 20 miles north is a different world too. Cedar Grove, Belgium. 20 miles south is a completely different world. Pastor Paul, you said amen when I Cedar Grove, Belgium, huh? But 20 miles south is a different world. I'm working to develop ministry relationships with people in the central city so that we as a church can regularly go into their world and bring the love of Christ to them. Because you know what? That's our Samaria. He said, go to, go to Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. He didn't say, if you feel like going to Samaria, go to Samaria. He said, go to Samaria. That's our Samaria. You know what one of my dreams is for this church? And I, 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 because it's in me, I believe it's a God dream. I don't know, I have a date on it. But one of my dreams is that we, one day in our congregation, would host a Hispanic church at Portview. Because there's a much bigger Hispanic population than you realize here. A Spanish-speaking church. Because there's none in our entire county that I can find. Somebody's got to reach Samaria. That's another group. That's a, it's, a, it's a cross-cultural group. Somebody has to reach them. And I think God would have us do something about that in the future. He said, you shall be my witnesses also internationally. You know what? As a church, we're so fortunate to be part of an organization that is taking the gospel literally to every nation on the globe. Church, you know what? We need to care about lost people in China and Mongolia and Syria and Morocco and every other planet, every other country on the planet. You know why we need to care? Because God cares about them. I had a man one time, a leader in the church I served in another place. We were talking and he just said, Mark, I gotta tell you, I just don't care less about people in Africa. 
And I didn't say it to him because he wouldn't receive it, but I walked away and I told my wife, I said, that man, I don't even know if he knows Jesus. Because you can't hardly know Jesus and not have the heartbeat of Jesus. And Jesus cares about lost people. He cares about lost people in Morocco. He cares about the pictures of those little kids. If the watching them, little tiny children from all those impoverished places didn't rip a hole in your heart, then I wonder how sensitive we are to God himself by his spirit. Because he weeps for them. Jesus weeped over Jerusalem. He commissioned us to take his message to them. It's not an option. We don't get to choose if we want to be involved. You say, well, this is my gig and that's not it. He said to us, go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. So friends, we have a commission. Preach the gospel to all the world. If you ever read something in the Bible and you get angry, and you say, God, that's just not fair. That's just not right. I read those commissions. He had to go put it five times in five books in a row. He had to say the same basic thing five times. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Five times in a row. I can't get past it. Here's the reality. I don't know about you, but it seems pretty impossible to me to take the gospel to Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the world. You know, after all, who are we? We're just trying to do something in Port Washington. Well, friends, that's where the second theme from those five verses comes in. The second part, the second major point, he didn't just say go do it. He didn't say just go and take the gospel around the world. He never said that we were supposed to just go and do it. In every one of those texts, he incorporated into the text a thought that he would be shocked if we would try to do it without this thought. And it was that go and take the gospel around the world as you are empowered by the Holy Spirit to do the task. He said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and remote parts of earth. Jesus said this. He said, all authority has been given to me on heaven, in heaven and on earth. Therefore go and make disciples of the nations. The authority is the authority of the Holy Spirit. Every one of those verses, Mark, preach the gospel to all creation, and these signs shall follow you. They're signs that are gifts and realities of the Holy Spirit's empowerment. You'll speak in new tongues, you'll lay hand on the sick, and they will recover. The realities of the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Friends, it's all about the activity of the Holy Spirit through us. Everything about missions, everything about church life depends upon the activity of the Holy Spirit. Matter of fact, everything about your life, if you want to live an overpowering real life in Christ, depends on the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in you. It's never about our ability. God didn't ask us to do it in our own strength because He knows we can't. It starts and ends with the Holy Spirit. Missions starts with the Holy Spirit in our life in this capacity. It starts with the conviction to go. The very fact that you want to go says something about the Holy Spirit's activity in your life. The very fact that you have a desire to go and do ministry doesn't necessarily mean to go over salt water. The very fact that you care about the kids on the screen is a reality of the Holy Spirit's activity in you. 
It's not human to care about somebody else. It's divine. God's spirit within wells up and moves us to want to share love, to want to share the gospel with those who don't know Christ yet. Friends, in one capacity, we all need to be goers. We all need to go to those in our proximity, in our Jerusalem, our friends and our family, our co-workers and our neighbors, and take the message of Jesus Christ to them. It's not a matter of choice. It's a matter of obedience. Jesus gave us a commission and His Spirit within us is compelling us to go. Matter of fact, this is what I know about Christian people. You have to resist the compulsion of the Spirit to not go. You have to fight it within and say, Oh no, i got an excuse. I'm too bashful. I'm too busy. Whatever your uh, only this is the reason why. You have to fight against it. Because if you're born again, the Spirit of God lives within you, and the Spirit of God compels you to do what is the heart of God, and the heart of God, above everything else, is to bring people to Himself. That's why He sent the Son, Jesus, into the world. Friends, in this sense, we are all goers. However, there's another dimension of going that is also the Holy Spirit's activity. And I want you to listen today. Every one of you. If you've drifted in your mind, pay attention to me right now. Some of you, not all of you. Matter of fact, maybe only a few of you will feel the Holy Spirit's conviction to go cross-culturally or internationally. I can say it with 100% confidence in this room that some of you, because it's God's plan to use His church to fulfill His commission, and the Spirit of God is working and will work in you that some of you will feel the Holy Spirit's conviction and prompting, we call it a calling, to go cross-culturally and internationally. Some of you in this church are being and will be called to worldwide missions. It's an activity of the Holy Spirit in fulfilling the commission. And He is calling some of us to go. To not just go across the street, but to Leave it all and go. This is what I have to say if you, if you feel that call. Go. If you feel that call, go. Don't rationalize it away. Don't settle for second best. If God is calling you, go. Make the necessary preparations and go. Because nothing else will fulfill you. Moms and dads, some of your children will come to you. And they'll say, God wants me to go there and do this. It's laying on my heart. And you know what you will do? Because I've seen it time and time again. You'll do everything to discourage it. You'll do everything to say it's not God's plan. You'll do everything you can to, to put it aside and say, but don't you really want to become an engineer? School teaching's a great career. Don't you want to stay here and have babies and raise them so I can be close to them? I'm going to tell you, Mom and Dad, God by His Spirit, has given us a commission. The commission can't be fulfilled without people responding to the call. I remember with my boys being very young, wrestling with God and sensing in my spirit that God was going to probably call them away from me, and crying and wrestling and saying, you can't have them, and finally coming to the place of saying, okay, God, they're yours. Do whatever you want. Mom and Dad understand. It's God's plan for the gospel to be global. And in order for that to happen, people have to go. 
And so in every single church, God is by His Spirit calling people to go. If God's calling you to go, go. If God's calling your child to go, encourage them and let them go. You're not going to lose them. You're going to win them. There's nothing worse than being a parent, because I watch it in the eyes of parents for 20 years as a pastor, whose child is not serving God today. We have a relative who the, the young man felt called to ministry in Mexico and used to go to Mexico all the time as a high school student and coming out of high school and felt compelled to go to missions. And another relative was so concerned that he just might marry somebody from a different culture and their grandbabies might, might, might not look like they thought they should look. That's the honest to God truth of the matter. That they discourage the person, discourage them, and discourage them. And today, I don't even believe the person serving the Lord. When it was such a passion before, not even serving God today. At least there's very little, if no evidence of it. I think a lot of it had to do with somebody fighting a call. That God said, I'm going to change the world. There's no greater place on the planet to be, in your life to be, than in the center of God's will. It's the most empowering place to be. So if you feel called to go, you need to go. You need to make the right preparations. You don't just go and God called Abraham. It took a long time. A lot of things we do take a lot of preparation, a lot of education, a lot of training. But to put the wheels in motion if God called you to go. So God calls people to go. He calls all of us to go across the street. He calls some of us to go cross-culturally or, or, or internationally. Now this is where we need to now move into another dimension of the Holy Spirit's activity of missions. Remember, it's the Holy Spirit whose job it is, who said, I'm going to reach the world. It wasn't our concoction. And it's all accomplished by Him, remember? He said, go to all the world as you're empowered by the Holy Spirit. So the one dimension is His conviction to go. That's the first part. And it's different for every one of us what that conviction means. The second part is this next thing that we have to look at is the activity of the Holy Spirit. And I want you to understand as I begin to explain this, this is 100% about the activity of the Holy Spirit. It's every bit about a, a calling for ministry and missions. It's this. Not all of us are called to go cross-culturally or, internet, or internationally. But for those who are not called to go, called to stay... We all are called to enable those who are called to go to get there. And it's this way. We are enabled by the Holy Spirit to give. We are enabled by the Holy Spirit. And I want you to hear this because some of you, is gonna, it's going to rock your world. It's going to change how you think. It's going to set you free. Some of you who are kind of handcuffed by, by the love of money. And it's a human thing. We all fight it. I constantly have to fight it. We all do. You're going to understand that God's big plan is global evangelization. That's really what He cares about. The reason you raise your kids for Jesus is because He cares about global evangelization starting in your Jerusalem. But the reason that He gives us the abilities to earn is because He cares about global evangelization so that we can give. We're enabled by the Holy Spirit to give. You see, for every goer, internationally or cross-culturally, there needs to be an army of givers. When someone accepts the call to go internationally, they need to be sent and supported by givers. Sent and supported by those people who can stay back, earn an income, and give to that work. And here's what I need you to understand today. Giving is an activity of the Holy Spirit through you. 
Romans 12 teaches that the Holy Spirit gives different gifts to different people. One of the gifts is a gift of giving. God gives some of you in this place. In the same way I can be completely convinced that God gives, we'll call some of you into missions, is because God is interested in global evangelization. It's the same way I believe that as he lifts the gifts, spiritual gifts, in 1 Corinthians 12, that's, that all of these gifts will be residents in this church. And one of the gifts that he gives by the Spirit is the gift of giving. God gives some of you the ability to earn a lot so that you can give a lot. Romans 12.8 says in a list of gifts, it says if you have teaching gifts, teach. If you have exhortation, exhort. He says, and if you have the gift to give, Romans 12.8, he who gives according to that gift should give with liberality, is what it says. Some of you have a spiritual gift of giving, and God wants to empower you to give liberally and generously. See, it's not about you being a great income earner, and that's what our world says it's about. A world says, oh, I'm just going to be a great businessman. You're a great businessman or businesswoman because God gave you the ability. Don't forget that. God hates pride. You have the ability because God put it in you. And the reason he put it in you is so that it's not about you just being a great income earner. It's about God giving through you a lot. Helping you to earn a lot so you can give a lot away. It's the Holy Spirit's work and missions activity. And I think it's one of the great things the American church is missing out on. It's, it's getting a gift and not understanding the reason for the gift and thinking I got the gifts just so I can have bigger, better, whatever. That's not God's plan. Now, not everybody has the gift of giving. Not all of us do. Matter of fact, maybe only a few do. However, there's another spiritual function of giving that is for every single one of us in this place. And it's the theologians throw a term out like this. They call it the law of divine reciprocity. You say, oh, that's a big word. What's it mean? It simply means this. You give and God gives in return. When you plant a seed in the ground, the ground yields a harvest. That's the spiritual idea behind the law of divine reciprocity. That it's a reciprocal relationship. You do and God reciprocates. That's the law of divine reciprocity. And in the kingdom of God, God loves to bless His children as they give. You know why? So that they have more to give. He blesses you not to buy bigger and better. He blesses you, I think, actually to buy smaller and less so that you have more and more to give away. Notice this law of reciprocity is not a get-rich-quick scheme. And I'm tired of having it heard that way, especially if you weren't Christians back in the 70s and 80s, you didn't vomit like the rest of us on the whole word of faith thing. Name it, claim it, just get rich, give $10, God will give you 100 back so you can buy a, a bigger car. That there, when we lived in Missouri, the, um, the car dealers there would not sell Lincoln Town cars to pastors because they would literally go in and claim it in Jesus' name and then default on the payments. It's nonsense. He didn't give us, he doesn't give us money to waste it on ourselves. That's not why, it doesn't say, I'm not saying we should live in poverty. But understand this, it's not a get rich quick formula. It's God's spiritual way of giving more through you. 
That's what he wants to do. There's no greater joy in the world to finally let go and have this dimension of divinity functioning through you where you see the divine work of God and you suddenly realize, I'm just not a great business person. I'm a divinely gifted business person. I'm a divinely gifted, just average, everyday person who can give and God will give me more in return so that I can give more away. It's not a formula to get rich. It's God's way of giving more through you. As you give to God's work, He gives you more. Why? So you can give more. One of the most abused verses, ones that church world has steered away from because it was abused, but it's true nonetheless, is Luke 6.38, where it talks about this divine principle. It says, Give, and it will be given to you. They will pour it into your lap, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. For by the standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. It says the way you give is the way that determines how you'll receive. God blesses according to your generosity. God wants you to see yourself as a conduit. He wants you to see, you know, a conduit, it's a, it's a vessel, it's a vehicle through which things flow. He wants you to see yourself as a conduit, as a vessel through which His resources flow. And the flow begins when you give. That's what, that's what starts, it's, that's what turns the valve that lets the flow begin to flow. Giving to God's work of spreading the gospel is a way to start the flow of God's blessing. Next Sunday, when Troy Tabor comes, missionary to Cambodia, you're going to be given the opportunity to put this divine law of reciprocity into practice. At the end of that service, we're going to receive uh, what we call missions, faith, promise, pledges. We are going to, um, and I'm telling you about it now so that you have a week to pray about it. A faith promise pledge is giving to, to missions work to world evangelization above and beyond your tithe. The Bible says we pay our tithes. That's not part of this. We pay the first 10% of our increase. And then to God, Scripture says, we give free will offerings as He leads and we do it with a cheerful heart. Missions giving is a free will offering given to God as He leads. We ask God, God, what do you want to give through me this year? It's not a matter of saying, what can I afford this year? It's a matter of you going to God and say, God, you want to do something divine through me and I want to be part of the divine activity of your global evangelization. What do you want to work through my life this year so it can be given to world missions? And you, make, and you say, God, okay, I want to do it. And you pray together as a spouse, spouses and a family and you make a commitment and you write it down on a card. And we use that card. Now we're never going to check up on you and see if you did it. You know what we use a card for? We add them all together. And we say, this is how much we can give away this year to world missionaries. Giving's not about, about being um, stirred. It's not about um, somehow me coercing you for global evangelization. It's about saying, what does God want me to do? Coming to a very honest answer before God. And God will say, you know what, Mark? This is what I want you to do this year. And you and your spouse agree on it. And you write it down and you go, man, God, I don't think that's possible. But you know in your heart God's saying it. And you write it down, and you begin to do it. And God begins to supply. God begins to supernaturally give, you, give it to you. All of a sudden, money comes you didn't plan. A raise comes you didn't plan on. The tires in the car last longer than they're supposed to. Whatever happens, and you give it away. And at the end of the year, you go, oh my goodness. God did the impossible through me. Can I tell you something? 
buying a new something is not worth anything compared to being able to say, God did something miraculous through me. And you know that God, because you know what? When I meet people and they have problems and struggles, you know what their biggest struggle really is? They can call it marriage, they can call it kids, they can call it finances. The real issue is they don't sense God in their life. God's created ways so you can sense Him. Let it, becoming a conduit of His blessing is one of the ways He created you to experience Him. And when you experience Him, that's the relationship. And you say, wow, God is working through me. So I want you to seriously ask God this week what He wants to do through you in missions giving. In the next couple of weeks then, we're going to pass out and collect missions faith promise pledges. I want you to ask God. Hear what He has to say. Take some risks. If you've got a gift of giving, you say, God, okay, enough of me just wasting it. If you just say, I want to put the law of reciprocity in the practice, you do it. Maybe you've never done it before. And you will be amazed at what, what God gives through you. And you will be amazed at the joy that is brought to your life because you know God is working in your life. Friends, I wrap this up this morning. A spirit-filled life is a missions life. A spirit-filled life is a missions life. We are commissioned to take the gospel around the world in the power of the Holy Spirit. We claim to be spirit-filled. We love this. We love to do that, but we have to take the whole package. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. We exist for missions. We exist to reach lost people in Jerusalem, locally, Judea, nationally, Samaria, cross-culturally, to the ends of the earth, internationally. That's why we exist. That's why God has us. Otherwise, we'd get saved and He just raptures to heaven. He's leaving us here for a reason. Someday it's all going to come to an end. Then there's no more missions work to be done. Because everybody in heaven will be there. But between now and then, we get to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to do the impossible. Would you stand with me this morning?